Welcome to Quick Hits, the only podcast that gets you smartinized. Today's episode, The Failure of Capitalism. The continuing economic downturn has the left prancing around like happy little bunnies saying, See, capitalism has failed. Now, let's have Big Brother do everything for us. Of course, as usual, they're wrong. Capitalism hasn't failed. What's happened is, we've removed failure from capitalism. And failure is the only thing that makes capitalism work. If you start a business producing goods or services, you're using resources of raw material and people to create that. And if folks want it, and you can sell it at a profit, they will buy it. And you make money, you're a success, you can hire more people and continue to grow. But markets change. Markets change all the time. Maybe something happens so people don't want your product anymore. Maybe somebody else has found a way to make it better, or cheaper, or to market it better. You can adapt and survive, or maybe you can't. Maybe you can adapt and you fail. When you do, all the resources that went to creating your product are now freed up to create something that people really want. And it's this continued process of reinvention and readjustment that makes capitalism work. I've run a couple of small businesses myself and experienced this firsthand. I had a business with my wife where she was making fabric things to sell at crafts fairs. I was the cutter. And we did all right with it for about three years. And then people stopped buying it. So we stopped making it. And I think some of that fabric is still sitting in the closet somewhere. My biggest business failure was Electric Avenue, a multi-line BBS that I started in the early 90s. It started with eight lines. I grew it to 21. And at its peak, it had 200 paying customers. I'd been on the internet, and I knew people would be using it. But the internet was pretty clumsy back then. You had things like, Gopher and Kermit and Veronica. It was hard to find things. It was hard to grab things. It was useful for finding information, but it was clumsy and difficult to use. My mistake was I figured people would continue to use the internet to look things up, but also continue to use dial-in BBSs for socializing and as a place to go and chat have conversations in forums, play games, and download files. And I had all that for everybody. What I hadn't foreseen was the browser. The browser killed Electric Avenue. There was simply no way even the finest ANSI graphics could compete with flaming spinning logos and the ability to click your way around anything. And one by one, people stopped subscribing as they moved to the internet, using Netscape to do everything that they had done formerly on Electric Avenue. 
If this had been a government institution instead of a private one, it would probably still be open today, with maybe three or four people calling in once in a while. But since it was a private enterprise, it was allowed to fail. And the time that I spent with it, and the resources, and the equipment, suddenly became freed up for other people to use to produce something that people still wanted. The economic mess that we're in now started with the government interfering with capitalists, with people that gave out loans. Now, these are folks that have been doing it for decades, and they have a pretty good idea of risk and reward, how many people in a certain demographic are likely to default on a mortgage, what size home a person can afford, given their income and their likely future income how many people are going to be able to pay their loans, and they can figure all that out pretty accurately. The problem came in when the government forced the banks to hand out mortgages to anybody who could fog a mirror, with little regard to whether they could pay for it or not. That screwed up the real estate market because there was an artificial demand for housing, and banks and lending institutions went nuts with all this extra debt buying and selling it and creating financial instruments that they didn't even understand. But the real problem was that failure was removed from the system. The failure of being able to get a mortgage because you don't earn enough. Or the failure to be able to buy a big, huge house when maybe you could afford a smaller, more modest one. The government came in, removed that piece of failure from the equation, and the results are disastrous. And we're living with them, and probably will be living with them for the next 10 years. But it went beyond that. When the banks started collapsing, government didn't allow them to fail. It handed them a trillion dollars of your money and my money which allowed them to pay their CEOs tens of millions of dollars in salaries and bonuses. And so it's pretty easy to see where people say, oh, look at this, this is, this is terrible, this is capitalism at its worst. Except it's not capitalism. It's not really socialism either. I think we need a new word to describe an economic model that appears to be capitalism, but has the failure removed as long as your industry has purchased enough Congress weasels. And now, now we own big chunks of many of the major banks. We own half of General Motors. That's going to work out real well, I'm sure. And as I'm recording this, we're talking about the government taking over health care. It's a real mess, my friends. And the reason that it's a real mess is because failure has been removed from the equation. It may sound counterintuitive, but the only way that the economy can get back on track is by bringing failure back into the picture, making it part of capitalism once again. We have to allow people to fail, we have to allow corporations to fail, and we especially have to allow big, huge, large corporations to fail. Instead of bailing them out with tax money, 
that the government just doesn't have. Unless we get failure back into the equation, we, my friends, are doomed. And that's it for this episode of the Quick Hits Podcast. If you've learned a little something, if you've changed your mind, or even if you can just understand a different point of view without necessarily agreeing with it, congratulations, you've been smartenized. Lots of folks writing, wondering if I've pod faded. Nah, not yet. I still may. I mean, nothing lasts forever, but I'm still going to be doing these things and trying to do them on a regular basis, but real life does tend to get in the way sometimes. I've gotten rid of one of my major distractions. I've closed out all my online poker accounts and sent my volumes of poker books. I can't believe how many of them I have to a brother-in-law who plays poker because it's just so distracting and so tempting to always have it there online. And for all my studying and all my work on it and all my analysis, I'm a little below a break-even point. So it's just not worth it. You know, I can play poker or I can do other things. I can uh, write a novel. I have a new novel in process. Working on the first draft of that. Got about 20% of it finished based on my estimate of uh, how long it's going to be and how many words are in it. It's quite different from Blood Witness. It is about a detective with a rather unusual trait or a number of rather unusual traits. And I think you'll enjoy it. I do fully intend to put it into a patio book when the time comes, but we're probably looking at the end of 2010 before it's entirely finished because uh, writing a novel takes a while oh and I want to give credit to Craig Smith he was the guy that gave me the idea for the uh, Department of Rational Thought if you haven't listened to Blood Witness yet it's still out there it'll be out there as long as I host websites I think go to bloodwitness.com Find whatever version of it you like. There's actually two versions of it out there. A patio books version with no closing comments and a live version that has, yeah, maybe three or five minutes worth of closing comments at the end of each one. You can get either feed on iTunes. You can get it at patiobooks.com. You can listen to it live on the website if you're so inclined. A surprising number of people like to do that. The one favor that I would like to ask if you have listened to it is please leave a review. If you can, leave a couple of reviews. Leave reviews on iTunes. Now remember, there are two feeds. One feed on iTunes has about 20 reviews, and the other one has, I think, one or two. So if you're going to put it on a review, go and put it on both feeds. You can leave a review on Patio Books. And then last of all, you can leave a review in the blog section of bloodwitness.com. The Smartenizer is back up and running, the little uh, newsletter that comes out once or twice a month, and has just little tips and advice and points of view. You can sign up for that at the Quick Hits blog. Go to DaveHit.com, and you'll see a link to the Quick Hits blog, and there's a tab up there for the Smartenizer. Sign up for that. Be sure to let me know 
what you think of this podcast or anything else that you've seen or heard me do, hitman at davehit.com. I'd like to thank the Aquamarines who let me use their music as the background music. You can go to aquamarines.com and find this song and their other stuff there as well. And that's it for this episode of the Quick Hits Podcast. Before you leave, though, let me remind you that this podcast is nothing more than a journal of one man's opinion and therefore should not be taken too seriously. Seriously.